We want to come visit you on Long Island. And then Faith Baptist Church and Pastor were the second that we called because we love being here together with you. I want to thank you as a church for standing together with us, for being with us, and for serving with us in the country of Ecuador. In fact, I heard Pastor was gone tonight, so for supper I ordered the Lance Salad at the restaurant that we went to. And if you don't know what that is, ask Pastor Carpenter because he actually had to order it for me uh, to get all the ingredients right. But we had a great time together in fellowship and uh, we want to just share with you a couple of things of your ministry in the country of Ecuador that God is doing through you from here to there because we are serving together. Isn't that right? Missions isn't something that we just send somebody to go and do what we don't want to do ourselves. Missions is an extension of the local church completing our part of God's great commission in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then partnering with us, serving together with Faith Baptist Church in the uttermost parts of the earth. Turn with me tonight, if you would please, to Acts chapter 2. I want to take a look at a verse that is very uncomfortable. In fact, it is disturbing me to no end, and I'm not quite sure how to handle it. But I'm asking God to work through us and work through our study together in the Word to better understand and to better accomplish what it is that he has. But I want to share with you just a brief update of the ministry that we are partnering together with in the country of Ecuador. But before we do that, my wife has a special gift that we would like to give to the Carpenter family uh, that we had a special opportunity. It is Uno from Ecuador. Uno from Ecuador. Um, Now, you might say, okay, Uno, yeah, we can figure out how to play that in whatever language. It just has numbers on it and skip. We can figure that out. But this has different parts of Ecuador, different monuments and different locations uh, that they can enjoy uh, having been to Ecuador with us and serving and serving with other missionaries in Ecuador as well. It's been a great opportunity. So we we pray that you have some good family fights with that and uh, reverse, skip, and all that good stuff and, and Kayla, be kind to your parents, all right? That's all I got to say. Honor your parents. There is no end to that. The Bible didn't say until you get your own truck. It says, you know, <laughs> sorry, I just had to throw that in there because every young man's happy with his first truck. That's just the way that it is. But I want to take you, the, I'll put these up at the end as well, but there's just some places that you can uh, contact. Some are in Spanish, some are in English, but you can get a hold of us on Facebook. The Conexion MM is our motorcycle ministry that we serve. Uh, we haven't updated that in quite some time, but serving those uh, on two wheels. I love to look for least reached people groups. I use that word for not reached people groups, but least reached people groups. Ones that have their own language, their own culture, their own clothing. They stay away from other people and they ride together or they stick together. It's where God opened up the hearts and doors for us in working with the police and the firefighters as well. Those that are not in the mainstream that you would run across on a day-to-day basis. But getting on the road together with the motorcycle ministry. Ministerio Tactica 593 is, is our ministry to the police and to the firefighters. We also have La Conexión Peninsular. It's the church that we just recently, in March of this year, I'll share an update on that, uh, took responsibility in replanting, and then our regular English uh, site, and then also Capian, Jeffy, Deanne, that's where we send the majority of our things through. Uh, if you can't read it in English, you can hit Google Translate, or you can write us, and we'd be glad to update you on what some of those things are. So you can stay up to date, even when we don't send out a prayer letter to you, you can stay up to date with what's happening and going on in the ministry there. But I want to update you just a little bit on what's taking place. In March, we began a replant of a church that we got a call from the pastor on uh, Wednesday evening saying, Sunday, we're going to close the doors of the church. And I said, ha, 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 ha. I know the church is struggling. I know you're struggling. And the church had been down to 17 people the week before. And you can't just close the door of a church. We, we, we need to think through this. We can't just, without a plan, close. And 
So I asked him to give us three months, and I think that three months is going to turn into five years, to determine not how to close the church, but replant the church. And so the Lord has enabled us, together with the body of Christ, to replant a church with 17 people that were in that church at that time, and others who had gotten away from it one way or another. A special opportunity came this last week. A young man had been away from the church for over two years had been part of the music team, had committed sin, and was out of the church because he didn't like getting confronted with the Word of God. Sunday, he came back to church. Sunday, he was there, and we're praying that through the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching of the Scriptures, he gets his life back on track, takes care of his responsibilities, and continues to grow. It's a special opportunity. The church is running about 45 uh, on a Sunday morning now, and that's a great blessing. Uh, we cut out all the other ministries and said we're going to focus on one thing. It's our feast time together around the Word of God and singing praises to His name as the body of Christ. And the rest of the week, you can go home. The rest of the week, we can have prayer meetings in your house. You can have Bible studies. We'll help you get those started to do it. But right now, we're entering into the home. It's, it's quite warm where we live. Uh, that was Easter Sunday morning in here, and my shirt is soaking wet before I preached. Uh, it was just drenched on that day. But uh, we're praising the Lord. We're in the cool season. I even put on a long sleeve shirt the other day where we are down on the coast of Ecuador. But do continue to pray for La Conexión Peninsular. You may remember 10 years ago, nine years ago, we planted La Conexión Cumbaya, a Baptist church in Cumbaya. That church is under the leadership of another pastor right now. And they're just celebrating this year in October their ninth year together getting their legalized paperwork, which should be completely done by November, and they're running about 180 to 200 people on a Sunday morning. And what a great blessing that is to see God's work go on and to know that we together have had a small part in seeing that ministry and to see that grow. Our purposes in our church are very simple, based out of Matthew chapter 28, is to evangelize, that is go, to equip, to make disciples, and to send, enviar a todas las naciones. And we want to keep it simple because the Great Commission is pretty simple, is it not? It's go, get up, go, get out, do what you are called to do in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth that God has called you to in the ministry. One of the main things that we do in the evangelistic side of the ministry is the Lord has allowed us to serve as a chaplain with the National Police in Ecuador. It's, again, another least reached people group of 46,500 officers plus their wife, or wives, as the case may be in some cases, plus children from multiple marriages, plus parents. The Ecuadorian culture is we often live, if someone gets married in the family, they just add an extra room onto the house, and they live together. And so it could be up to a half a million people that just the national police and serving with them touch. And the Lord allows us to serve in areas of discipleship and evangelism. Uh, We give out Bibles. In fact, I have one here with me tonight. Uh, It's a Bible that's made up in their camouflage. And I'm going to pass this around so you can see the Bibles that we hand out. The first eight pages are a little brighter white color that have to do with the ministry and our doctrine and where we stand. But then the rest of it is just a normal Bible. And what's really great is when we're meeting together, With the uh, police officers, we're able to say, go to page 863, because many of them don't have any knowledge of the scriptures, and they're fumbling, floundering, and we can go, let's go to page 863, and let's see what the Word of God has to say, and using God's Word to impact them. Why don't we start this over here on the other side, and pass it up and down the aisles, back and forth, and my friend, if I don't walk out of here without, without the Bible, I'm not leaving. So it's your full responsibility. The whole weight of this night depends upon you at this moment. So no pressure. Enjoy your evening. 
But uh, we do thank you for your loving care and giving. One of the things that was a little bit difficult for me just recently is I had the privilege, and I call it a privilege, of being invited to the audience uh, to the uh, court case of one of our police officers that was in an officer-involved shooting where a young man lost his life. And they invited me to come and to be a part of the family and to be with them during that time and to serve in that way. And it was a great honor to be able to. I just visited with him in prison with three of others who are believers that are in that jail. It's a police and military jail for those that are waiting for a trial or waiting for sentencing. Our judicial process is much longer than we have here in the United States. He was in jail for 289 days before his case even came up to be tried, whether he was going to be guilty or or innocent. And so he's appealing and working through several different things. But It was a special honor to be able to be there and to serve as his pastor during that time. And um, the song goes, I've got friends in low places. Well, I do. Between the motorcycle ministry and the police ministry and visiting those uh, in different parts of the country, it is truly a blessing to serve. Another side of that is serving with our first responders, our firefighters, and and with our our, um, um, primeros auxilios, first responders. Uh, first, uh, first aid people. Uh, by the way, I am none of that. I have no history as a police officer. I did not do any military background. The Lord called me into the ministry uh, very early. And so how does God open those doors? It's by being faithful and available where you are of serving as God allows you and he opens up those doors because he has a wonderful plan that he desires for you to do. He made you, he wired you, he gave you interest to be able to fulfill your part of his great commission, and we need to use those and look for the opportunities that God has before us. But just recently, we had the opportunity with seven different firefighters to do a debriefing seminar. Uh, Basically, why is the world broken? And why are you here being the hands of Jesus, the first ones on a call, when someone's life has drastically changed? When we hear a siren, we pray for those who are going to rescue as well as those who have been affected. Because if you hear a siren, probably someone's life has just drastically changed. On our way to church tonight from supper, we saw three fire trucks come zipping past us. We knew something had just happened. No idea what it was, but I prayed as we were driving along for them because I know they are the first ones to exhibit love and care in that possibility and that opportunity that they have in serving. And so... Do pray with us as we continue in the debriefing sessions, a two-hour course, Why is the World Broken? And it's full gospel. It's full Bible, just straight up from the beginning, because the world is a broken place. The scriptures say that even the earth groans underneath the, the penalty of sin because of the world that we live in that is broken and separated from God. But that's not the end of the story, because Jesus Christ came to fix that, did he not? And one day God will restore everything to a wonderful glory in his name. And so we share that with them, that you are just a part of that story, and God can use that in a great and mighty way. Uh, We go to where they are in the nighttime. Uh, This actually, they came to us. Uh, We had a picnic with firefighters. We opened up our home and invited the firefighters to come. And through that conversation in our home, just serving hamburgers, we've had five families come and say, we really need help. Why? Because they felt comfortable. We weren't there to cram the gospel down their throat. (laughs) I'm not about the social. I'm going to give the physical help, but I'm also going to give the spiritual help. But they felt acceptance, they felt welcomed, and they felt comfortable to the point where we could then invite them and share with them other opportunities and how to get their life right through the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a wonderful opportunity. Uh, This is one of my favorite pictures. My wife 
uh, on the right. The lady on the left was, is the wife of one of our captains, and she does not like coming to firefighter events. She does not like it. She says, I'm not a firefighter. They get together, they start talking shop, and I don't even want to go. And so she kind of came a little bit apprehensive, but very quickly she began to loosen up, and she said, I really enjoyed being there. And the captain asked if we would come and if we would help them continually. In the center is our fire marshal uh, there, and she was there as a part of the group and, and had a great time together. Um, I love my wife. She is Miss Hospitality. Uh, the door is always open, and all I have to do is raise my eyebrow if someone comes to the door or if we meet someone on the street, and she immediately is starting to go and to prepare things to be able to invite them in and to welcome them in. <laughs> Dennis is saying, hey, I want to come over. I saw his eyebrows raise up just a little bit. What do you think about Dennis coming? Come on back. Come on back. Uh, Brent, where are you, by the way? Brent, word from Dennis. You need to come to Ecuador. All right, that's the message. He told me to pass it on to you, so I did. I did my job. All right, not subtle. Did I handle that okay? Okay, good enough. Good enough. Uh, That won't be the first or the last thing that they don't handle okay, but we're glad to be here uh, in there. I want you to take your Bible, though, and I want you to look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is a wonderful passage that we use many, many times in talking about missions, the start of the early church, and what God did. But there's a couple of verses that I think we have a tendency to skip over, and these are the verses that are bothering me. These, these are the ones that are making me uncomfortable. And I'll explain to you why, and I'm... <laughs> Welcome to church. I'm hoping you feel uncomfortable, too, by the time we're all done. In fact, I'm hoping it's something that starts to eat away at you until you figure out what it is that God is calling and asking you to do in this aspect. Acts chapter 2, we start in verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Amen, if you think that's a good idea. (laughs) Am I speaking English? All right, let's try that again. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. Say amen if you think that's a good idea. All right, good. We're on the right track here for just a minute. And in prayers. Say amen if you think that's a good idea. Verse 44, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. Say amen if you think it's good to have all things in common. We're getting a little weak here. And I'm thinking in this next verse, if you say amen, you don't really mean it. Because I'm not sure I do. And I want to say that with caution because it's not something that we can just stay in that state. I think it's something that we need to move beyond. I got goosebumps even talking about it because God's working in my heart in this area and I don't know where to go with it. And I'm being flat out honest. It's easy to preach the first ones, but when you get down to verse 45, and I will not ask you to say amen because I don't want to put you on the spot. They sold their possessions and their goods and they parted them to all men as every man had need. Let me ask you in this moment... And do not say amen. But if I were to ask you to say amen at the moment, what do you think about this? (laughs) We would probably answer amen because that's a really good idea for somebody else to do. That's a really good idea for somebody else. Oh, by the way, pastor, that was a special time where the people were all coming to Jerusalem. The new doctrine was coming out. The New Testament of Jesus' blood was coming through. and, And that's a great idea. There was great need. Everybody was coming in. It was a one big happy party. But I want you to take a look at what it says. It wasn't just a Sunday morning offering. It wasn't just a missions offering. It wasn't for vacation Bible school. It wasn't anything else. 
They sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking and bread and house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And who added to the church daily? Who added to the church daily? The Lord did. I don't know if I've ever heard a message in my entire life that talks about this verse. We might read it, but we skip right over it, but we never stop right there and start to talk about what does it mean to sell all of your goods and to give to everyone that has need. It's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? Because I know I don't fulfill what God's word has to say in here. We go back and we can make excuses, as I shared, and say that, that this is something that This is something that was special during that time that they did. This isn't really what God is asking us to do, is it? What about the scripture in the New Testament that says, as you have opportunity to do good to them, especially of the household of faith? We had a phrase as my children were growing up, find a way to say yes. They don't like it. (laughs) The crisis that we're facing in Ecuador at the moment, that's a phrase that I don't even like to live. Find a way to say yes. To give unto them that have need. And I'm sure willing to give an offering. And you know what? I've got a little bit in my pocket. And if somebody really has need, I'll, I'll come and help them out. If my heart's really torn, I might even give a little bit more. I, I might even up that just a bit more. But to do what the scriptures say here. They sold their possessions, their goods. They parted them to all men as every man had need. I wanted to ask you three questions. And I want you to think about these, because I can't answer them for you, and you cannot answer them for me. What needs do you see in your neighborhood? Not in my neighborhood, in your neighborhood. What needs do you see in your neighborhood? What has God uniquely qualified you and called you to do to meet those needs? And what are you doing about it? Pretty simple and pretty straightforward. And I can't answer it, and you're probably not going to answer it all night tonight. And I'm hoping you don't sleep real well tonight because of this scripture. Because I think we need to be prodded just a little bit to get back to what the scriptures say in looking around rather than looking inside to what God has called us to do. I'm a little bit bothered in my heart. When I say bothered, I mean I'm, I'm working through this. What is it that God is asking of us to do? A church recently asked us to share a ministry called Radical Hospitality. You see, we had a picnic at our house, and that was simple. We buy hamburger on meat day when it's 10% off, and we make hamburgers and put them in little baggies, put them in the freezer so that when people come over, we're ready to fire up the grill, and within 30 minutes we're cooking hamburgers, and we've got open door of hospitality. But you know what? That really doesn't cost me a whole lot. We had 30 firefighters that came over. We had 15 pounds of meat. We did up hamburgers. That really didn't break into the bank that deeply. What are the needs that you see within your own neighborhood? What has God uniquely qualified you and called you to do to meet those needs? And what are you doing about it? And only you can answer that where you are. We have a need that has come into Ecuador in recent days. And I understand you recently just had your missionary to Venezuela we are not in Venezuela, but we're on the receiving end of some 400 to 500,000 Venezuelans that are refugees that are coming into our country right now, passing through Colombia, 
coming to Ecuador. We have a lady right now that our church just sent back to go recuperate her children. She has one with her in Ecuador, but two that were living with grandma and grandpa called and said, we are starving, we are hungry, we need help. I am sick, can you come get us? And so our church in Ecuador raised $300 to send her to go back and to get them, and in process she was robbed in Camino, in, in, in transit, and now she's riding in the back of pickup trucks and buses and the back of, of uh, vegetable trucks trying to get back with her two children to where we live. That's not my life. That's not where I live. But when I look back in the scriptures and I see what the people in the New Testament did when there were needs that were amongst the brethren. James says, if you see your brother or sister that is naked and destitute of food and you do nothing, what good is your religion? We are studying through our church in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount right now. And we have stopped for a couple of weeks in verse 9 about being peacemakers. But Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20 says, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're nothing. (laughs) You don't have it. And we decide what our religion looks like, but do we really see the needs of those that are right where we are that God has called us to meet? I'm going to ask my wife to come and share just a little bit about some of the opportunities that we have in ministry amongst the Ecuadorian people and the Venezuelans that have come. It has been a huge blessing to know that our people have gotten excited about sharing the Word of God, but about also sharing of their own goods to meet the people and to meet those needs of where they are. Using what you have is, is what he said, and using what we have is all we can do because we can't use what somebody else has. And uh, Jeff gave me an idea of, of sayings from Banana Bread, which is where I started 10 years ago in Ecuador, those that would remember reports from a decade ago now, to what I would like to say is brownies today. <laughs> um, Banana bread is a way that God opened a million doors, it felt like, in Kumbaya. And now it's just doing that same idea of what God puts in front of us. Uh, This picture is how a lot of people come in, like Alaska is bringing those two children that we talked about, how she's bringing those children in. What we do uh, in our neighborhood now, when we're driving down the street, um, we did it on our way out of town. With our suitcases in our car, I'm off to a great start. <laughs> with our, I, gave you <laughs> I get the, I get the hard job. Um, with our suitcases in our car, driving to the airport two hours from our house, we're leaving, and we pass the bus station that's one town from our town, and we see these three young boys that are the age of our own son, Lucas, our baby. And they had just gotten off the bus. They were one of the lucky ones that actually rode a bus into town. And they immediately walked from the bus to the streets to start begging. So we pulled our car over. And 
we got out what we call our Good Samaritan Go Pack. And we were going to go to the, go to Walmart or somewhere, a grocery store, and grab you a little sample so you could get a visual of it, but we ran out of time tonight. What we've come up with for today is a can of tuna with a lid they can pop off right there in the street, a couple packs of crackers so they can scoop it out and eat it right there on the street, a bottle of water, and a gospel of John. And they can eat right there while we ask their name. And in the Gospel of John, there's always information and directions to our church. And we tell them our names, and we ask them their story, and we invite them to church. Because first, before anything, they need to know that we love them. Because they're never going to listen to us if they don't know that. So that's our first step of ministry, is to show them that we care, and to show that we love them. And then we invite them to our church. And the second picture that you see, these next two, is how our church has gotten involved with us. We shared this burden for the Venezuelans that are up and down the main streets after they've gotten off the bus. They're just living on the streets sometimes, or they're begging. And so we've gotten our church, that's our, 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 our car, I was talking to her about a car earlier. And um, this particular night was a night of two nights in a row where some ladies in our church, two ladies in that picture, had made arroz con pollo, chicken and rice, in their own kitchen. We went out with them in the morning and bought the ingredients, and they made this great big tub of chicken and rice. They have containers much bigger than I would have, so they made it. And then we put the whole pot in the back of the car and drove to group by group, till we'd find a family, and we'd stop, open the back of the car, pull off, get a little bowl out, one person's scooping, somebody else is getting the Gospel of John, somebody else is pouring them a little glass of soda, and a couple other people are talking, making connections. And somebody else is telling them, hey, you know, we have a church that loves you. The church made this dinner for you. You're welcome there. The statistic is that most refugees will never make a friend outside of another refugee. That goes in all cultures, in all languages. That's a tough statistic. Even more, hardly ever will they make a Christian friend. So we're trying to break that barrier down right there. And what's been so exciting to us is that our church people are getting involved in it. This is Carlos, a new believer himself. He and his wife made a whole nother round another time of chicken and pollo. <laughs> and they're with us this particular time. In this picture, is precious to me because this night, you see I'm holding a baby in the back. And the mom asked me if I could buy her some diapers. She didn't have any more diapers. And the little girl that's getting handed the food, you'll just see a little tiny bit of her arm. She's wearing hot pink. She didn't ask, and her mom sitting by her didn't ask. But a lady who's actually the mom of the baby, she asked me if I would buy the little girl, who I don't even know if she's related, would ask if I would buy the little girl or get something for the little girl, if she could just have a shirt, a T-shirt. Do you realize how much we have? When this group of like 10 people are sitting on the street for 12 hours that day and they only asked for a diaper for the baby and a t-shirt for the little girl. That's all they, that's all they asked for. And they felt 
very humble to ask that. So we gladly provided that for them. And then we prayed with them. And of course, included, they all got Gospels of John, and they were all invited to church. Now, this particular group has not come to church, but we still see them on the streets, and they wave to us every time. And the next time I saw her, the little girl was wearing her bright pink T-shirt that I bought her. And you would have thought I gave her a million dollars. It's just a pink T-shirt. I think of pink T-shirts differently, and I hope you will, too. This is our group of our people. And um, this picture is precious to me, too. And I don't know if you'll even be able to see it. But um, this family, this was their second night, I believe, in Ecuador. And the mom is in pink. And the dad is kind of in front of her. And then the two little boys. And the little tiny boy in the very bottom of the picture, he's sick. And... um, We gave them everything we told you, the chicken and everything, but my heart broke for them, and so I went in the car, and I found a little package of cookies, 10 cents at most. And so I came out, and I gave them a little package of cookies, and if you see, he's holding up his little package of cookies. It takes so little to show love, but there's a saying I heard once about, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, people won't remember what you say, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And if a 10-cent package of cookies can make you feel loved, or a dollar can of tuna, or a bowl of rice, that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Interesting thing is, God's not called me to your neighborhood. God's not called me to your area. And you might not have needs of the poor or those that are in severe need like, like we do where we are at this moment, but, but you have people that have great need of some kind right where you are. What are the needs in your neighborhood? What has God called you to do and, and uniquely qualified you to be able to do that? And what are you doing about it? Honestly, a 10-cent pack of crackers does not even scratch the surface of possibilities. It's nothing like we're reading here in Acts of those that sold their possessions and gave them to meet the needs of everyone that was around them. And and I think that's why it's got my heart so much at this moment. What is it that God has called us to do as believers in meeting the needs of those that are around them? And I'm not talking about a social gospel of just meeting the physical needs. Jesus went about meeting the physical needs. In Matthew chapter 9 it says he healed every manner of sickness and disease among them. But what got his heart is when he stepped away for just a moment and he saw them as sheep having no shepherd wandering about looking for something. What is it that God has called us to do, each and every one of us? We were just down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on our way up here. We had a, an overnight. We missed a flight and, and had to spend time there. And I was walking along the street to go buy food. And a guy came up and asked me for some money for, for I have no idea what it is. I didn't know him from Adam. And you know what? I didn't give him any. It's not my neighborhood. It didn't touch my heart, and I felt bad about it afterwards because why am I being stingy with what I have? I don't know his story. He might use it for something wrong. He might do whatever. But I go back to the same people in my neighborhood where I live that I know that I see every single day, and that touches my heart. And I'm asking God to break our hearts in the area of the needs that are all around us. And God has wired you specifically to be able to do that. Here is a group along the street that are there right in front of our mall. Um, we've helped them on several occasions. They even sent people to our church on Sunday. A new family came into town, and they said, on Sunday morning, you got to go see the pastor. 
And they sent them to us on, from Saturday night to Sunday morning to come and to, to serve and, and, and to be a part of our church with us. This was the same night with the um, family with the baby, but this is in a whole different part of town. And this woman just broke down in tears as I said, just want you to know that we care for you. And she just broke down in tears. She had had this baby on her journey from Venezuela to Ecuador. They had been on the road for over a year in travel. This is not a short process. This is not a small problem. This is not going away. Um, so just pray for the many people. Over 4 million people have left Venezuela. Over 2 million have come through Ecuador, and over half a million have stayed. Now, the reason I said from banana bread to brownies, notice I didn't, haven't given brownies out to the public, is to mention Clever. Yes. Clever is a very high-ranking official in the police in Ecuador. We met him in 2014. And last year, um, yeah, a year ago Christmas, when we were living in Guayaquil, I went and I gave him a box of the ingredients for brownies for his wife. It was a gift for his wife with my recipe for brownies. He was thrilled. This is a colonel. And he was thrilled I thought, this isn't going to his wife, is it? He was so excited about it. He went home, and he made the brownies, and he sent me a picture. (laughs) A colonel. He knocked on our door last Thursday, and... By the way, it was a day when I wanted to escape all of the physical needs that were around us. We were getting ready to come here to the States, and I needed to prepare for Sunday message, and I was tired, and we said, we're going to stay home all day. We're not going out. The telephone rings. And I was upstairs getting ready for something, and Jeff says, "Uh, Clever's on the phone. He's in Ballyanita. I'm like, really? He lives two two hours away. I said, that's wonderful. He said, he's he's coming. Oh, really? Great. When? Um, Now. (laughs) I said, when will he be here? He said, "Uh, about two minutes. (laughs) I'm like, great. (laughs) That's very Ecuadorian. (laughs) And he was there. When he arrived in our door, he did not look like himself. He looked very sad, had his head downcast. And he told us the story of how he had just gotten transferred from where he was living in Guayaquil, the biggest, largest, bustling city in Ecuador. And he was the top guy. But to raise your rank, you have to get moved around. And he got moved to our neck of the woods. To us, we were thrilled because that meant we get more time with him. To him... It was like going to your brand-new school on the first day of school when you don't know anybody. He didn't know anybody on the coast, but he knew us. And so he called Jeff, and there he was, standing in our living room. And he's like, I don't know anybody here. He was very uncomfortable, and I don't have a place to live. And so we kind of looked at each other, and then the next words that came out of our mouth is, why don't you live with us? And so now, I guess we'll be making a lot more brownies. (laughs) Radical hospitality is being there at the right place, the right time, using the resources that God has given you to meet the needs of someone else, to open up the door, to share the gospel, and to share the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity, any questions that you might have about any part of the ministry. But I want to just leave this in your mind. What are the needs that you see in your community where you live? It may be right here by the church. It may be in a distant town where you live. But what are the needs that you see there? 
They may not necessarily be physical. They can be spiritual. Sometimes it's training. There's a whole variety of needs. But what are things, even now that you're thinking of, as we brought up this topic? What are the needs that you see? What has God uniquely wired you to be able to fulfill and to meet those needs and calling you to do? And what are you going to do about it? How many of you are going to go home uncomfortable tonight? A couple. I'm glad. I noticed nobody said amen because it's a little bit uncomfortable to think about, isn't it? I don't think we know how to sacrifice enough. I don't think we know how to give enough to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And I'm not talking about giving of our finances. I'm talking of giving of ourselves first to meet where they are. We do ask that you do pray for us that as we are in this process that God would give us the wisdom to know how, when, where, and why and to know when to stop. Because you can't just continue to continue to continue, but to be strategic in it, to be able to meet those needs. Deanne shared with you that, uh, and I'd like to give you an opportunity for questions, but we meet people on the street, we invite them to church. If they come to church, we take them out to lunch afterwards. Uh, You can get an almuerzo, literally uh, a lunch right underneath where the church is for $2.50 per meal. And so we take between six and eight people that are new to the church uh, coming in. Uh, last week, one-third of the people that came to our church were new Venezuelans that were part of now coming regularly as a part of our meeting, our, our ministry, and in, in inviting others not to receive anything, but they've seen the love of the Lord Jesus Christ extended by the people in our church that have reached out to them. And then if they come more often, then we start getting more involved in their lives and helping them and establishing some simple micro-businesses to be able to have some kind of income to gain back some of the dignity they feel they've lost in the time of transition. Some of them have traveled for two years, literally. Some have traveled for two weeks. Most are two months or more. Trying to find a a hitch in the back of a truck somewhere or a, a hole in a bus to be able to crawl into to get over to the next town. And do pray with us as a church as we figure out how to best serve those that God has brought to our doorstep. Uh, we have a town of 300,000 people, and there's one main street, and so you can't go out without seeing people that are in extreme need. And it's real difficult to go out for a nice meal with your wife or a nice meal together when you see people that are probably not going to eat it all that night, and I'm getting ready to go fill my belly. And so do pray that God guides us and directs us and leads us in the way that we need to in order to fulfill what he has called us to do, to be salt and light and be Jesus with skin on at that moment, meeting the needs of those that are all around us. I'd like to give you the opportunity of any questions that you might have. Uh, We don't get to be together too often, and so uh, I want to uh, be able to answer that as we serve from here to Ecuador. Uh, Anybody have a question that we could answer for you? About anything. If not, I'm going to keep on preaching. So, ma'am, in the back here. Just a minute. Yes, ma'am. Ecuador has received 400,000 Venezuelans that have been refugees that have left their country. In the last several years, there's three to four million that have left Venezuela uh, underneath oppression, financial difficulties. And so, Ecuador and all of South America and many other countries as well have received many. But there's over 400,000 that have stayed in Ecuador. Uh, Estimates by the end of this year are there will be over 500,000 and more than 415,000 will will end up needing some kind of assistance because they don't have any way on their own. And what happens in our country, as in any migration like this, this magnitude, is the local people get tired of providing. And so we're working with our people as well. 
to be able to say how much can we give and how can we do this strategically and get excited about what God is doing. Because instead of going and sending missionaries to Venezuela, we have Venezuela coming to us. The United States has that same, and I say problem, we have that same blessing that the world comes here and, and the mobility of people around the world. We have people groups from all over the world within a stone's throw of right where we are in this moment. And so there's special opportunities that God has given us to get, exhibit the love and care that he has shown to us. Yes, ma'am. The population and size of Ecuador runs between 14.5 million to 16.5 million. So 9 to 10 percent of the population is what they have suggested are new refugees that have come in. That's a pretty heavy load. That's a pretty heavy load for a small, um, uh, poor country to be able to handle and to take care of. Our minimum wage is $389 per month is the minimum wage. And so when people are extending themselves, um, that gets challenging. But God is using his people to reach out to others uh, throughout the country. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Going to have to speak up really loud because I'm old. Right now, this last Sunday, a week ago, we had 48 people in church. And so it's grown from 17 to about 48. The building that we are in that we had showed previously can hold about 125 before we need to go to two services. Uh, we're excited because we just started a children's ministry this last week uh, with teachers and rooms. We have to put up a door because they're a lot louder than the adults are. So we're going to have to put up a, a door because we just have a one-room church at this moment. And so we're praising the Lord, though, for a special opportunity to teach and train that age group of the church in manners that they can understand and be productive parts of the, the body of Christ. Somebody else? Yes, sir. Brent? Sure. Uh, part of our trip here is a little bit selfish. We're on our way to upstate New York to see my granddaughter. On Friday or Saturday, uh, Monday actually, she turns one. And so we're looking forward to that. I want to get her a great big chocolate cake and watch her just smash that thing. Um, we have a custom in Ecuador that when it's your birthday, you dunk the person's head in the cake. You make them bite the cake and they get it all over and that's a, a whole lot of fun. But I'm not sure her parents will allow me to do that. But we're looking forward to that. Um, my older daughter, Bethany, served two years in Peru in a Christian education ministry. She's back in the States now figuring out what God's next step for her is. Uh, Jordan, our second, is 27 years old. He is married to Amber and has our one granddaughter, uh, Taylor, who's turning one this next week. And he is a pastor at Perth Bible Church, a pastor of assimilation, uh, discipleship and evangelism. Uh, his goal or his ministry is to bring them from outside to in and from in to up. And so really starting with, with making uh, contacts in the community. He plays basketball on, on uh, town teams and other things, goes out to coffee, really reaches out to a younger generation, shares the gospel with them. Uh, in fact, this next week he has a, a young man that he's going to have the privilege of baptizing, his very first time of baptizing in the church, uh, a man that said, I want to be baptized, but I want Pastor Jordan to do it for me. And uh, so his, his senior pastor is, is giving him the privilege together to do that. So we're excited for him. Amanda is working in Florida now. 
in uh, going to church and loving God and loving people. She has a unique way of reaching out to some of the least people, uh, people that I probably wouldn't have contact with. And she really has a heartbeat for them to see them come to know Jesus and to share with them. And she gets some extreme cases. She has a really good ability in counseling and helping people, loving them back to or to Jesus for the very first time. And then Lucas just graduated from college. Jordan just graduated from seminary at Trinity Baptist in Jacksonville in May. And Lucas graduated from Liberty University in Virginia. Um, He is currently working and trying to figure out what the next step is that God has for him. He's going to be coming in September is when we have our next tactical team. Uh, We have 15 SWAT police that are coming from the states to train our special operations police. And so he's going to be part of our translation team there. And I'm looking forward to working together with him again. Uh, Lucas was with us in 2014, the first year that we did that. And all of the police officers that knew him from that course always ask, where is Chiquitito? Um, he's not Chiquitito anymore. Chiquitito is little. He's six foot two and a half or three. Depends on what he tells you and what I really believe. So, um, but we're looking forward to that and to see how God uses him. He studied religion and language was the two things that he studied. Uh, simply is Bible and Spanish were the two things that he studied and looking for what God has for him and how to serve in that way. Anybody else? Acts chapter 2. An uncomfortable couple of verses in there, isn't it? If you want to get a little bit more uncomfortable, you just keep following through in the Scriptures because it talks so much. Luke chapter 6 and verse 30 says, Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask him not again. That bothers me. That bothers me because we have people that ask, and what do I do? You're no different than I am, and we put up walls. Well, they might not use it properly. Well, they might not really have need, and they might abuse what I'm giving to them. They might not appreciate it. I don't know. And we have all kinds of answers. But that's a verse that I'm wrestling for. I'm being open and honest with you right now that, that I'm really struggling through these verses. What is it that God has for me to do? Not you. What does God have for me to do? And what he's called us. When I close you with those three questions, what are the needs that you see where you are? What has God uniquely qualified you and called you to do to meet those needs? And what are you going to do about it? Amen? Let's try that again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for the privilege of being here with you tonight and sharing from the Word of God. Um, I said earlier, we're not supposed to have favorites, but you are one of our favorite churches Many of you stay in contact with us on a regular basis, and what a great joy it is to be able to see what's happening in your ministry here, to pray pray specifically for you as you do pray for us. You've seen some of the faces. Pray for them. You don't know their name, but pray for the crisis. And pray for us that we understand God's perfect will and perfect plan to meet the need of those that are coming and to teach and to train our church together. They have been one of the biggest blessings to me, to see them go out. Deanne mentioned that Carlos and Anelda, Carlos is a new believer, gloriously saved, came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I asked them if they'd be willing to prepare a meal one night, and they said, oh yeah, we've already been doing that and going out on our own, but yeah, we'd be glad to do it with you. What a blessing that is, to see them. And it's not just throwing out food. It's sitting down on the curb and talking with them, hearing their story, loving them as a person, and sharing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's a full presentation of the gospel, 
And sometimes it's enough that Jesus loved me enough to rescue me, and we want to love on you and to take it to the next step and that next opportunity. But do pray for us as we wrestle through these verses of what God calls us to do in the ministry, your ministry in Ecuador. Thank you so much.